Where am I? Back. Okay. All over the place, and I know it's Father's Day, and, and for those of you clock watching, I'm, a, I'm aware, and, and we'll, we'll do our best to keep things um, in line. Plus, the U.S. women team plays at noon, so um, there's those things. Uh, good to see my buddy Adam, who's here. Um, he uh, leads worship at uh, Mount Vernon and uh, for their 9 o'clock service, and he's got a few weeks off, so he sent me a message last night, and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to come hang out. I'm like, yes, awesome. So uh, glad to have him here. And Linda, glad you're here with Taylor this morning visiting with us. Uh, so I uh, want to say hi to our visitors. If you didn't get a chance to say hi to him, be sure you do uh, before we go home this morning. So a lot going on this morning, Father's Day, dad jokes, giveaways and coolers and, and popcorn and, and root beer and, and all of this and that and the other. So I knew yesterday when this was all coming together for me, I'm thinking, wow, we're really going to have a time crunch tomorrow. So I went back to my message and I, I chopped it up a little bit. So I'm going to do something really different. I'm not someone who relies on videos and, and things like that. I kind of try to rely on just the word and whatever. But we're going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to use some videos this week. But, but to set that up and, and to, to kind of back up off of uh, what Luke has said this morning, as well as um, Josie's change up to reckless love, I thought it was a perfect change up because it, it ties right into the message this morning. We all need to understand how vital worship is to how we live as Christians, right? And it's okay that we all do it different right? It's okay that we all have our preferences, but, but it's important that we understand that the unifying experience of worship is vital to how we live as Christians in this life, right? And it goes, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and we're going to get into some of those Old Testament references in the next two weeks as we close this, this series up. But last week we talked about how important it was that you understand God's place in worship, and so we presented God to you as that, as that father with a legion of angels who, are, who is ready to battle and ready to defend you and ready to hold you up in everything that you do. And sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we don't see that because we're so caught up in who said the wrong thing to us or we're so caught up in, in this feeling or this emotion or this, that, and the other. And, and so we lose sight of, of the imminence and power of God in our life and so we lose sight of all of the things that He offers us in His great being. And that's why it's important that we leave Him on the throne. And, and we think of Him on the throne and we pursue Him on the throne. We don't pursue Him at our level, but we pursue Him at His level. So that everything that He is and everything that He brings comes into our life. And when we start seeing God on that level and we begin to see His working and His power in our life, then we find the reasons and then we begin to, to pursue a worship of Him in, in all of this greatness, right? Because if we look at Him on our level, right, He's not going to measure up. We're going to be like, well, pfft. you know, why is God this? Why does God allow this? Why do we do that? When you hear people answer, asking those questions and debating God on that level, it's because they don't have God on a throne, they don't have him in his proper setting, and so they don't see him where he's worthy of our worship. Now, we shared that with you last week, right? And we talked, to, and we went from that to talk to you about how important it is, like the ten versions, that we have our lamps full and our lamps ready. We can argue about half full and half empty all day long. The reality is it's half, right? I said that to you last week. The reality is it's half, right? However you want to pretend you're an optimist or pretend you're a pessimist or whatever, half is half right? The Bible tells us to overflow, 
right? And how do we overflow? We overflow by everything that God offers. And if we subject ourselves to everything that God offers us in our life, then we become filled and then we begin to overflow as God intended, right? So that's the importance of God in our worship. Next, it comes to how we build that relationship with Him and how we build relationship with others, right? Worship is a big part of that. I mean, y'all, y'all thought when I was going to talk about worship, I was just going to talk about, you know, getting up and running around, waving hankies and doing all that. We're going to get there, hopefully, but, but not this week, right? What I want us to think about is where we are when we come to God. And the reality is all of us come broken. All of us come limping. All of us come with some hurt, with some baggage, with something. And it's through our relationship with a God who loves us. Remember, you know, we, we think we love Him and that means something. But the reality is we love Him because He first loved us. Right? We can't love Him without His love for us. So again, we have to leave Him on the throne for us to really capture the purpose and the vision of worship in our life. Right? We can play instruments all day long, but unless we are focused on the passion and the love of God towards us from the throne that He sits on, we never really capture this all-important and powerful God in our life and what He means. Right? And the reality for us is to come and realize that we're not bringing anything to offer, but instead we're coming broken, we're coming limping into God's throne room, and He's choosing to accept us as a son, right? He's choosing to accept us as a son. So uh, with that, I'm going to let Bopper cue up the first video. Uh, it's a, a moment in, in Olympic history. Uh, you may have heard of Derek Redman, and he's, uh, he's the runner, and uh, we're going to let the video play out, and then we'll talk about it.
Derek Redmond was favored to win the event in the Olympics that year and uh, was expected to win the gold medal, hands down. No one was supposed to be close to him. And he blew his hamstring, uh, as you saw there. And um, he got up with the purpose that I might not win, but I'm still going to cross the finish line. I'm still going to finish. And so he's limping along and everything else, and he's struggling, and you can tell they're telling him to get off the track. The race is over and everything else like that. And his dad comes down, beats his way through the crowd, beats his way through security. As you saw there, basically man-shoved the one guy off and like, no, that's my son. Uh, I'm going to him. I later, I later saw an interview with, with them uh, that was recorded, and, and I watched it. And um, he said, that was my son, and he was struggling. And no one was going to get in my way of helping him cross that finish line. And you saw repeatedly as he helped carry his son to that finish line, you saw repeatedly they came and he, he swatted people away. And we need to remember that's how God works for us. God works for us just like Derek Redmond's dad worked for him in that moment. Right? There is no calling, there is no thing that he's going to put on us in life that is bigger than him. Sometimes it's bigger than us, and we need Him to accomplish it, but it will never be bigger than He is. Amen? Just like in this moment, that everything that occurred, it all of a sudden became bigger than Derek Redmond. He was supposed to command the day, but in that moment, things happened beyond His control that He was no longer in control. Amen? And so His dad came and helped Him cross the finish line. Right? God will always help us succeed in what we do if we remain on the throne. God will always take us broken and limping and lift us up and hold us up and strengthen us and encourage us throughout the process if we keep Him on the throne and allow Him to work in our life. Everyone says, what does relationship with God work like? Because, you know, we throw that word around the church all the time. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I treat it like a girlfriend that I, you know, I date for three or four months and then I go to another girlfriend and then I go to another girlfriend and then I go to another girlfriend or boyfriend? You switch those up, girls. Um, that's right. So it would be the same for boy and girl. What? Is, is that what relationship with Jesus looks like? No, not at all. Not at all. But relationship with Jesus is when in the beginning, when we allow Him in all of His greatness... And in all of His eminence, when we allow Him to come into our life and be the deciding factor in how we talk, the deciding factor in how we walk, the deciding factor in where we go, the deciding factor in our choices, and the deciding factor in how we live. Amen? Why? Not because we're all of a sudden something, but because all of a sudden He becomes everything to us. The reality is, if Derek Redmond's dad hadn't come down there and made such a scene and probably threatened Olympic officials and everything else like that, probably the truth is the Olympic officials would have forced him off the track and he would have never finished, crossed the finish line. Right? But because dad showed up and dad said, not on my watch, we'll finish, we'll cross together. In the interview, they asked the dad what he was feeling and he said, I was feeling like he didn't have anything to prove. He'd run races all over the world. He didn't have anything to prove and everything else. And he said, when I got to him, I told him, I was like, look, you don't have to do this. And he said, I've worked my whole life for this moment. I'm going to cross that finish line. And his dad said, then we'll do it together. Amen. And everything that God does and everything that God moves into your life, he's wanting to unify. Amen. Here's the message. He's wanting to unify 
with us in relationship. That's what we're talking about, relationship with God, is when we start talking about unifying ourselves with who God is and allowing His power and His glory and His throne to be the most important thing in our life. Amen? When we start to pursue Him and His righteousness. Amen? Scripture tells us that's priority number one. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Right? Which is the body embodiment of, of God. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Right? And His righteousness. And all these things. Everything else. Everything you need. Every power. Every anointing. Everything else that you need in life will be added to you. Amen? Why? Because the power of God now is unified with you. And when you have the power of God unified with you, all of the power and all of the glory is yours. Right? And so when we take that into, when we take that into consideration, that is when the power of God begins to work in our life. And that is when we have this urgency to worship. That is when we have this urgency to acknowledge God's work in our life. Amen? And, and, you know, some of us, some of us just take it for granted. You know, the ten came and were healed of their leprosy. Only one came back to cry holy. Why? Because one unified with God in that moment. One in that moment said, wow, there's something to this guy, Jesus. There's something more to my physical healing. There's something big and there's something powerful in this guy that no doctor and no man has ever bestowed on my life. And because of that, I want to go back and thank Him. Because of that, I want to go back and praise Him. Because of that, I want to go worship Him. Because He's worthy. He's worthy. And friend, listen, if you never allow God to unify with you, Amen. You can come to the altar a million times. You can be baptized a million times. You can show up to every Bible study and every message and and everything else a million times. But until you choose to unify with the God of heaven and His throne and its power in your life, you never really see a God worth worshiping. You can get caught up in a million legacies, but never get caught up in God. And so we find it hard to worship Him when we don't. Amen? And it's vital. It's vital to the church. Luke said something unscripted there about how all these churches came together at that camp and how important it is and how we bicker and moan over the stupidest of things and and everything else. And it's true. And amen. But when we come together, when we choose to unify with God, then what happens? Then we start unifying with the brother. Bible says, I know you love me. Why? Number one, you keep my commandments. Right? And number two, I know you love me because you love the brother. Right? You love the brother. So there is a unifying element to worship. There's a unifying element to allowing God's presence in all of our lives to bring us together to the same purpose and to the same thing. With that, I want to read in Acts chapter 2. Devil done messed up my Bible. In, Luke, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We're talking about those that were saved after Pentecost, right? We're talking about thousands here. Thousands who were saved after Pentecost. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. What do you think the most significant word in that verse is? They. They. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and prayers. We all know Pentecost. We all know what happened. We all know the power and the glory of heaven that fell down in that moment. We all know that it happened because they gathered in the upper room in agreement that whatever God was going to do, they didn't know what it was, whatever God was going to do, they agreed to accept it. They agreed to walk in it. They agreed to unify in it. Friend, listen, when you see God sitting on a throne instead of all of the whole that we've lived all of our lives, when you focus on God and God only, when you see Him and His righteousness and you pursue His righteousness above everything else, there is a unification to that that takes you beyond the here and takes you beyond the now. And it causes you to envelope yourself with those around you with the same purpose and the same heart and the same mind and that is Jesus Christ. It is nothing else. It is no one else. It is Jesus. Amen? And so when we talk about worship, there's this element of God on the throne that now transcends itself to us here on earth. And we have to understand that, and we have to grasp that, and we have to choose to walk in that. Amen? There's another video, and I'm not going to show it because I know we're getting pressed on time. But anybody ever hear of Rick and uh, Dick and Rick Hoyt? Amen? Team Hoyt. This was a father-son it's a father-son, and we'll, we'll play it at the end for you because it's a, an amazing... You know what? No. Y'all just going to have to deal with the time. We're going to go ahead and play it. I'm going to have Bopper go ahead and play it, and then we'll pick up from here. Who taught the sun where to stand in the And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till
So to understand this, we have, we have Derek Redman, who would have been forced from the race and off the track had it not been for his dad. When it comes to life, without the power of God coming in and picking us up when we're broken and crippled, we would be forced out of the race. We would be forced out of, of, of the opportunities that we have in this Christian life, right? When we begin to unify in the power of God, when we begin to unify in His worth, He's going to push us right? So what you need to see about this race is that was a decathlon. Okay, what is that? Is that anybody know what that is? Huh? It, it's, it's a triathlon, but I think it's 10 miles. Is it 10 miles swimming, 10 miles bike, and 10 miles running? It's, it's enormous, whatever it is. Okay, look it up, whatever. But it's, it's enormous, okay? It's, tell, it's tolling. There are literally great physical athletes who crumble because they can't finish from it, all right? They, they were sitting on a couch one day, and, and Rick, the, the boy in the wheelchair, always loved to see the runners go by for the Boston Marathon. They lived in Boston. And at that one day, he looked at his dad, and he says, I, want, I wish I could run. Well, he couldn't, right? And here's the reality for us to understand. Without God's power in our life, we will never run, right? Most of us won't even walk right? Most of us rely on ourselves and our knowledge and our power and everything else, and we forget and we think of ourselves as something when we're nothing, right? And because of that, we push God right out, right? But when we choose to run within the excellence and the power of God, then we begin to unify with God and great things begin to happen in our lives, right? That's exactly what happened with Rick. He told his dad, he's like, I wish I could run, and his dad, who'd run a couple of small 5K type things and everything else, looked at his wife and he's like, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm, I'm going to figure out how to make this work for Ricky. And so they did. And they ran, a lot of, they ran a lot of local stuff and some marathons and some different things like that. And then Ricky one day saw the decathlon on TV. And he told his dad, he's like, I want to do that. And his dad's like, oh, oh my, right? But that's kind of how God is, right? As we unify with Him more and more, as we step into His righteousness more and more, then what does He do? He promised, I told you just a few minutes ago, what does He do? He adds to us, right? As we step into His power and excellence more and more, He adds to us. That's what Ricky was doing to his dad. He was adding to the challenge. He was adding to the purpose. And God empowers us to whatever purpose He calls us to when we keep Him elevated and when we keep Him in our center of worship. Right? And this is why worship matters. Amen? And we get caught up in so many stupid things. That, and, and amen? And trust me, Satan attacks in worship. Adam can tell you. Satan attacks in, in worship in so many ways. Why? Because he knows God's power exists there. When we're lifting up the name of Jesus, Satan won't have it. So he will use everything he can to tear it down. Amen? And so we have to stand on guard relentlessly saying, not happening. Not happening. Right? And so we have to push through and allow God to remain on the throne. And we have to remain focused on the idea that God's going to stay there. And because God's going to stay there, He's going to push us to the next level. Right? This man swam his son biked his son, and ran his son in a decathlon. 
and they crossed the finish line. I met them at my second Promise Keepers. I actually had my picture taken with them, and then I had a computer crash, and I lost a whole bunch of pictures, and that was one of them, and it just killed me, because I was like, that and about three other pictures were like some of my Kodak, spiritual Kodak moment, moments, and, um, and everything else, but I got to meet them at a Promise Keepers, and I got to hear their testimony, and I got to hear him talk, and, and he gave God all the glory, and he said, I could not do this for my son if I wasn't unified with my father. And so, friend, we need to look around us and understand that everything that we're doing in this church, everything that we're doing in this community, everything that we're doing at camp for camps for abused kids, everything that branches out from what we're doing here is all about keeping God on the throne, unifying with him and then unifying with each other. Amen. Because when God is in the same place in my life that he's in your life, when we're lifting hands to raise God in spite of our differences, Right? And if we go around the room, we got differences. That's okay. Right? That's okay. No big deal. Right? But the reality is the thing that should center all of us is God. Because He sits on one throne. He's one Father who deserves all of our praise, who deserves all of our worship, and deserves for is worthy of us unifying with him so that we unify with each other when when you when you counsel people in marriage and everything else you're taught the triangle theory and that's something that you use with them and it's basically like this there's two people here right and and if you live life 50 50 70 30 100 0 everything else that's tug of war right you're never going to solve a marriage or friendships or relationships with that whatsoever so how do you solve it you solve that by approaching christ if christ is here on his throne and you both approach him together what happens as you, as you approach him? Right? The distance between you is eliminated. Right? The differences between you are eliminated. The, the, the stuff between you is eliminated. Why? Because you're focused on Jesus. Right? And when we come together in worship... Right? If we're sitting out here and we're thinking about, well, so-and-so's dressed this way. Well, so-and-so's that. Well, I didn't like that song. Well, uh, those words are weird or, or everything else. If our mind is everywhere but on Jesus, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. Hey, I'll tell you right now, it's not always going to be perfect. Amen? I, I mean, you've heard all the accolades. I mean, it's definitely getting better. These guys are going. we got the whole Carrie Underwood thing going on now. Right? But, but, but it, it's getting better. Right? But it's never going to be perfect. Right? And the problem with that idea of perfection is us. It's not them. The problem is us. Because we're not focused on Jesus. We're not focused on the fact that we need to come together unified. That He deserves our praise. Right? Is there anything else in here more important than Him being lifted up? No, then we need to get over the other stuff. And we need to focus on Him. And we need to drive ourselves to him. Because here's the, here's the reality. And I'm going to get ready to close with this last video. I'm not doing too bad. I'm keeping it pretty close to 30 minutes. Right? Here's, here's the reality. There was a whole lot of stuff I had to cover that I've condensed. So y'all, y'all getting it good, right? God's, God's working it out. Right? Here's the thing. When we choose to unify, you know, go from a, a guy who would be pushed off the field Right? Dad carries him to the finish line and gets there just like God does with all of us. Problem of it is we all love footprints, footprints in the sand, right? Probably hangs in the majority of our homes and everything else. There's sooner or later we got to get out of the footprints, right? And we got and we got we got to come into that place to where we're unified with God, to where God is pushing us to greater things, 
right? God is pushing us to bigger things. And that's what happens with the apostles here. So I'm going to finish reading this scripture before we get in <clears throat> to the last video. I know I'm making it hard on Bopper. I'm sorry. All right, verse 43, and this, this is the core of the message, and you've got to hear it. Pay attention to how many of, of the unifying and the theys and the, the grouping together of believers are in these verses, right? Because that's why they had so much power. That's why the early church prevailed, and that's why everything that stood in their way crumbled, because they were unified in Christ. They were no longer limping to the finish line, getting carried by a holy God. They were now walking with a holy God, doing the things that a holy God was pushing them to do. All right? Verse 43 And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together. Amen. Say that. All that believed were and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men. I'm not preaching that, see, okay. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, again, most powerful word, and they, continuing daily with one accord. Say that, one accord. Continuing daily, amen. Daily, not just Sunday mornings. Every day, continuing in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. What's that mean? It means we didn't just come together in one accord here, but when we went home and broke bread, we, we were in one accord there. When we go to work on Monday, we're in one accord there. That Even if we're not side by side, we're in one accord unified on the fact that Jesus is King. King of our lives. And nothing is going to pull us away from that. Nothing is going to pull us away from Him. That they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor. Amen. Now we see the transcending, right? We see that it transcends from us being broken to us being carried to us now being anointed with purpose in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And finding it with gladness and singleness, praising God and having favor with all the people. Why? Because we are centered on Jesus Christ and we're not just promoting ourselves. We're not just trying to build an earthly kingdom in the sand, but we are building on the power and the absolute of Jesus Christ, and we're unified in it. And the Lord, unification, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So as we think about this idea of worship and we think about the importance of unification in the glorifying of Jesus Christ, it brings us to a place where we become unified. And when we become unified, guess what happens? We start carrying each other in the name of Jesus. We start lifting up God through our love of the brother. Amen? I set the precedent with that in the beginning. We start carrying each other because of the love of God in us. We start loving each other, lifting one another up, and we're unified in God. Therefore, it makes us unified in each other. And we start to help each other finish the race. So with that, I'm going to cue the last video and we'll close it up.
Johnny has to win and to be sure of taking the title. And right now he seems to have lost control of his legs. And this is worrying. Oh, and he's starting to slow. And there is a little way to go. There's half a K to go. And Johnny is running out of time and is losing. He's losing his sense of direction. This is worrying. Oh, goodness me. This is a horrible sight. Jonathan Brownlee has lost it now and has staggered to a stop at the side of the course. And Alistair's stopped to help him along. And Alistair is going to try and carry his brother home. Dramatic scenes in Cozumel as the Olympic champion carries his younger brother towards the podium. Oh my God, I cannot believe what we are seeing here. Matt, is this allowed? Is he allowed to help his brother? You know, is that part of the rules? I'm not too sure. We've never seen anything like this before. Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes in Cozumel. The Brownlee brothers arm in arm, but it's not by way of celebration. Henry Schumann's celebrating. He's going to win this race in Cozumel out of nowhere. But we have to be concerned about the health of Jonathan Brownlee and they're not even on the final stretch yet. Schumann wins in Cozumel. The brothers are coming home arm in arm to finish in second and third but Johnny can hardly stand and Alistair is having to drag him across the line and pushing him home, pushing him home for second. Johnny finishes in second. Goodness me, what an incredible conclusion here in Cozumel. I've never seen anything like that anywhere in world sports. Worrying scenes all around. So many things important about that scene. Number one, we, get, we need to be carrying our brothers. We need to be lifting each other up, holding each other up, and helping each other get to the finish line, right? But I love that moment there at the end where his brother, and, and if you read their story, if you watch the interviews and everything else, the one who was winning always dominated the other in whatever sport. And today we have a lot of kids that, that become bitter about that. A lot of kids who begin to get entangled in fleshliness and worldliness in that. And if we're not careful as brothers and sisters in the church, We'll get embattled in the flesh and entangle ourselves in the flesh. And before you know it, before you know it, God's throne isn't even in our eyeballs. It's not even in our mindset. It's not even in our heart any longer because we are so consumed and full of, of, of crap, right, in ourself. This young man could have ran right past his brother. Ha ha! I'm finally going to beat him! He stopped and he carried him at me in the moment that nailed me. Amen. The first time I ever saw that was a couple days ago when I was getting this ready. And, and the moment that nailed me is when he gets to the end, he takes his arms off and he pushes him across the finish line. We are so busy about trying to better each other that we don't have a clue what Jesus is. We don't have a clue what unification in his righteousness is. And we're anything but worshiping when we do that. Not only did he push him across the finish line, but did you notice the toe tap? Did you notice the toe tap? 
he did that number. Okay, I didn't, I didn't model it very well, but he, he did that number to make sure he didn't cross the line before his brother did. Amen. You want to impress me? You want to impress God? You want to show that the power and the righteousness of the King is alive in you? You need to start living like that. You need to start living like that. And when you do that and you're unified in God and you're unified with the brother, oh my goodness, what happens? We start raising our hands and we start lifting up the King. We start praising Him together in worship. Amen? And what I I read to you What I read to you in Acts chapter 2 is, when we do that, the power falls. When we do that, the power falls. When they did it together, when they were unified in it together, the power, they sang praise, okay, that was in there, right? And I know we're talking about worship, so it's important we grab that. But when they came together and they focused on Jesus Christ as one, power fell. People were saved. They added daily to the numbers. Why? Because it was about Jesus and it wasn't about anything else. Amen? That's why we worship. That's why we worship. That's why that, that when we come in here and, and they hit a few drum beats to get your attention, that we stop talking about everything that's going on in the world. Yes, that opening song is bold for a reason. Amen? Because we want you to turn your attention from everything else and turn it to God. We want you to see Him. We want you to feel Him. We want you to experience Him. We want His power to mean something in your life. And we want you to first unify with Him in all strength and in all boldness, and then unify with each other. Unify with each other in a sense and a spirit of worship that makes Jesus King of your life. Amen? So before we get to to moments where walls fall and we get to moments where armies turn upon themselves and kill each other because of the worshiping armies of Israel, before we get to any of that, we have to understand how worship works. Worship works starting last week by putting God on the throne, keeping Him there, and doing the things to fill ourselves with His goodness. Amen? And now it's about unifying. It's about realizing that all of this stupid stuff is stupid stuff. And we need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on His power and His love and His goodness. And when we lift up... I love the fact that she... I was sitting back there and she had both hands up in the air worshiping as she was singing. And that's the thing about Josie. She worships while she's up here. Amen? And so we've always been trying to figure that out. And so she said, she said, what if I put the headset on? And everything else. I'm like, oh, good idea. And, and everything else because she'd, she'd get to worship and she'd be singing and the mic would be all the way out here. And then she'd bring the mic back and it'd blow the sound. And these guys are like trying to keep up with it and and so forth so it's like oh yeah headset great idea and everything else because that way the sound isn't as big of an issue once we figure it out and uh, it took a little figuring out this morning but I think by the second or third song we had it and um or they had it not me so what's important for us is that we lose sight of the world we lose sight of ourselves we unclear our mind and we focus on Jesus And we allow Him to matter first. And when we unify in that, God promises power. He promises victory. He promises healing. He promises deliverance. He promises salvation. He promises all of the things that we're striving for that we can't do ourselves. Like Ricky, he could never do that decathlon itself. It took his dad to do what he couldn't do. Now, he was there. He was along for the ride. But dad had to do all the work. 
right? The reality is in everything that we do, God does all the work. And if we're unified in Him, and we begin to unify in each other, He will be worshipped, He will be praised, He will be lifted up, and He will do the unimaginable in all of us. That's where we're called. That's where we're invited to. And it starts with worship. It starts with lifting up His name, bringing glory and bringing honor to Him. So this morning, if you're here and you have a need, maybe you've, maybe you've been doing this for a day, maybe you've been doing it for a hundred years. Okay, I know, nobody's that old. But maybe you've just never really got this idea of unifying with God and unifying with the brother right. And I don't care why, right? That's between you and God. I don't care why. But I care that you get it. And I care that you move forward with it from here. Amen? Because I see the evidence in Scripture of why it matters. And so I'm encouraging you as we prepare for war, ship, the name of our, our series, as we prepare for war, right? And if you don't think there's, there's not war involved in being a Christian, then, then, then again, you're kind of missing what's going on around you. Amen? Because Satan doesn't like when we come together. So he's going to do everything to keep us apart. You've got to be stronger than that. You've got to be better than that. Those of you that's been doing this for a long time, I expect you to be a whole lot better at it than those that are just starting out. Right? I expect it. Because it's a, it's a growing thing. Right? It's an example. Right? They learn from the disciples. Scripture I read you says they learn from the disciples who learn from Jesus. Right? That's how this works. Let's unify. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's see him do amazing things as they come and sing. Thank you.